Breakouts podcast, we break things down to the very last compound. My name is Sumit, aka the Potty Mouth of the South. And my name is Chris Mitchell, aka the Actual Factual. This is one of those episodes where I ain't gonna talk too much. No, we don't I'm need ask to you how you are. I'm gonna say, How are you? You okay? You good? And you're gonna say, Yes, I'm good. Or Sumit, go F yourself. And I'll be like, Okay, no problem. But then we're going to get into to this episode with a legend, a titan, a colossal of the game. Wow. Now you said in the interview, he sounds like the tape. Yeah, he sounds like the tape. He sounds like the tape. It's like, it, like the, best way, the best way I can describe talking to Scoop, well, he has a huge, long and storied history, illustrious career. Um, but like for me as a football fan, if I was talking to Clive Tilsley, it'd, it'd be like, I've heard you so much. Now I'm talking to you. You sound exactly how you are on, on ITV. And that's how it feels. And... I'm glad. Thank you for setting this up. It's MetroFest um, this Sunday. Um, and uh, I'm so glad we have Fat Man Scoop on the podcast. Bro. Yeah. He sound like the tape. <laughs> we get to talk to him about OC. We get to talk to him about Dougie Fresh, his brother. There's there's a lot of gems and nuggets in this short one. Um, and we're very pleased that he took the time out to, to speak with us um and and give us some jewels within that too because i you know understanding about carrying on tradition is very important it's a very hip-hop thing to do and it's very it's a very cultural thing to do and he does that so much so i'm i'm excited to for you guys to hear this this is fat man scoop breaking atoms podcast check it out it's a very special episode of the Breaking Atoms podcast. We're in the presence of a legend and one of the most recognisable voices in hip-hop. We talk about the likes of Bismarcky, R.I.P., Method Man, Dr. Dre, titans of this culture. We are joined by none other than Fat Man Scoop on the Breaking Atoms podcast. How are you doing, man? Oh, man, thank you very much. That You know, wow. Um, to say it that way, wow. This is important. It's important. We We... we as a hip hop podcast, and you know, breaking out from main source, this is you know, we go back all the way there. Yes, it's very yes, important yes. that we document everything, and and we just don't forget at a certain point. So we we appreciate you, we respect you, and we love you for everything you've contributed to this culture. Thank you, and I appreciate, I appreciate that uh, humbly. When I did this, I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. You know, um, I was just working. You know, I was I was just working. Uh, I was doing it to put my brother through university. It wasn't even one of those deals where I was like striving to be a hype man. I actually want to be a rapper. And when, when I didn't want to be a rapper anymore, I wound up working in the music business. The music business brought me to the radio. You know, I was a radio plugger. The, the being a radio plugger brought me to the radio. And it all it all came circle when my brother wanted to go to university. I was just trying to find a way to put him through. And um, I come from the Dougie Fresh camp. Dougie Fresh is my teacher and mentor, and my my everyday day to day mentor was DJ Chillwell, who was his DJ. And we patterned everything that we did after Dougie Fresh, so it was just natural for me to make one of those records. And I, I heard it because I was paying attention to DJ Cole, and wound up just doing this record and the rest is history. It wasn't like, you know, I was, you know, I was preparing myself more as an MC. Um, I worked every day when I was a child to be a great MC. 
And um, but inadvertently, it just it set me up for the next for the next chapter. And that's how people's lives usually go. You know what I'm saying? Like they usually go. You're usually set up for whatever you're gonna do. You know, like your 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 father may be in the lorry business, and your 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 uncle may be in the how the construction business, and then you turn around and you have the biggest lorry business for construction ever. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's all in how everything lines up in your life. And um, that's the way that things lined up. I was, you know, it wasn't like I was pushing. I was just living it. I was living it, bro. Just living it. That's dope. I just want to, uh, before we get into kind of MetroFest and more of the interview, I just want to highlight, you mentioned your brother. Yes. Um, Kendall, I'm guessing you're, you're referring to Young Sav. Yes. Um, there's something, I think what you've just said has resonated with me in the sense that I've known Sav to be one of the most open people I've met in this industry. Wow. Wow. He will go out of his way yeah, yeah. to help you. Yeah. And I like- think that if, from what you just said about putting him to, through like doing it to put him through university, it's a family thing. He's taken that, what you've shown him that way. And he does it for other people. Well, He's done he- that for me plenty of times. You know, that, that comes from my mother and my father, man. That literally comes from my mother and my father. Um, you know, one of my first experiences with helping people was when I saw my dad, we were in the, um, we were in what we call the bodega in, in, England, in, in America on, on uh, the corner of the, built, the street that I lived on. And there was a woman who she was trying to pay for her food. She couldn't, she couldn't pay for it. And my dad just said, here, don't worry about it. I got this. And that stuck with me about helping people when you're more fortunate. So I think that that's just something that is in our family. And, um, you know, that's just something that we're about. Um, how do you know my brother? How, how do you, how do you actually? So, um, I used to sit in your brother's office with Steve um and 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 sav they used to let me put my bag down there i it used to be base for me def jam used to be base for me. i used to be a blogger right so back in the right. day 2008 2012 i used to be a blogger and i i knew a friend called, i had a friend i met through myspace called marzi who worked at uh def jam with your brother so best of both offices right and i used to go to new york put my bag i used to play scrabble like online scrabble my friends back home sat in their office like they were cool they were right. they were the guys who hooked me up and sav steve uh epmd and marzi Mm-hmm. They all allowed me to speak to the likes of Rick Ross, Nas, Shine. Like right. if it wasn't for those best of both offices uh, conference calls, like and and you know I I have I'm gonna say this now, screw it. I help your brother once. I need to get I need to get to Ross without right. a second. He's like, yeah. here you go, my man. Here without a th- without a thought because it was a it, he wanted to help people and I'm always happy to see how he's ascended because I I saw I saw like he he was out there grinding. And I seen mm-hmm. what he's where he's gone to, and I love it, and I fucking love it. Well, but that's you know, that's I just wanted to I just want to say that. You know, what's so funny about that. You know, I was talking to Steve yesterday. Wow. Um, you know, because me, Steve, and, you know, Steve and Kendall are friends forever now. Right, right. And they've been, you know, they, they're killing the music business. Right, they're killing the killing exactly. It. You know, so uh, just uh, people. I'm just going to take a minute to talk talk about my younger brother. My younger brother's name is Young Sav. Um, I put him through college. Um, when he got out of college, he worked with me for about six years, being my hype man on the road, everything. And then he woke up one day, he said, I want to be my own man. Uh, he went and got his own internship at, at Razor Sharp. And then he met, uh, he did his thing over there. And then I had a, a protege named Garnett Reed, 
who God bless the dead passed away. Um, he was my he was my intern at Tommy Boy, and he wound up being over at Payday. And uh, Payday was Rockefeller at the time, so Kendall went and worked over there in the Payday Rockefeller system for a second. Then he went to TVT with with Theo, and then uh, from from there he went he wound up getting a job at Def Jam through Theo. And uh, he meets this kid Steve Carlos, and they're in the same office. And they become good friends, best friends. And then they do this thing called Best of Both, both Offices, which became wildly successful. Um, the Pete, one of, I'm not going to say the person in Def Jam, but it was a very high up person in Def Jam. They didn't understand it. And, and this individual fired them. And people came back and said, you're bugging right now. These are the two hottest dudes in this building. They make this building work. And they said, you're, you're bugging. And they went back to them and they, you know, they, they, they never left the building because you're fired. And they said, no, you're not doing that. You're stupid. And then that person had to understand, went and found out who they were to the culture and to the, the room and all that. And then, it, it, you know, it was over. So they had done well. Um, then at the same time, simultaneously, um, Steve Collins gets a job with Young Jeezy running CTE, corporate thugs. Kendall gets savage, young Sav, Kendall gets a job with Maybach Music, running Maybach Music. So they leave Def Jam and now they're running the label, the labels for two of the biggest artists on Def Jam, Rick Ross and Young Jeezy. And then um, Steve goes on to do huge things, you know, behind the, the uh, Lion King soundtrack and a bunch of different things, running everything. And now, finally, my brother, uh, after being our Flip Gennaro's manager for, for a couple of years, he still is. He is now the uh, head of black music at Arista Records. So, you know, wow. this is all, this is all, this all, but this all comes from me putting him through college, through university, and then him coming to work with me and then deciding that he's going to be his own man and do his own thing. So all of this, you know, I, 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 the reason I'm so proud of my brother is because he put the work in, and he never used my name one time. No nepotism. All it, What he did is all his hard work. So I have to give him that, and, and I love to see when he grows and he expands, and he's, he's become, you know, I was a record executive. I was a plugger. I ran the rap department at Tommy Boy Records, okay? That's one thing. But you want your family to expand and go further. He has become he has become more in the in the executive space than I was ever able to do. You know, now he's now he's the head of black music for Arista. You know, and 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 and, and he signs one or two artists that really take it all away. He'll he'll run Arista. So you know like you know I am very proud of that. But again, I only may be faithful to put him through university. That's crazy. Listen, I, I'll be honest I had known Sav for so many years and I didn't realize he was your young brother. You know why? I, I heard, because he never says anything. He never says he never it. Never it, it was always through, it was always through someone else. Like it was always, one of my best memories of Sav before we go into the first, I promise, um, was South by Southwest was when he was managing John Connor. John yes, Connor yes, had yes. John Connor had a bag of people from Flint, Michigan, from where he was yes, from. Yes. And Sav said to me, he's like, yo, we need to get to this show. Do you know the way? I was like, I looked at my Sav. I'm from the I'm from London. What what right. what do I know? But I knew it, and we walked all the way there, and I connected John Connor with uh, Big Sean because Big Sean was at a showcase, and yes, I got yes. this footage. But 
listen, your brother, honestly, I he's your brother, but it warms my heart to see both him and Steve ascend to what they've done because you just know the kind there's there's not many good people in the industry, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. select few. They're mm-hmm. dope, both of them are are, are definitely it. But anyway, Metrofest yeah. is doing very well. There's a few few hundred tickets left. Yeah, very small amount of tickets. Very left small there. amount. It's, it's very small amount. Right. Now talk to me about what do you, what's your preparation for a festival like this? What's your process and how has it changed over the years? Because you're very seasoned at this, or has okay. it changed? So, so um, I again, I come from the Dougie Fresh school of crowd rocking and participation. I I don't I don't even, I don't even get prepared until I get there because I need to see the I need to look at the lay of the land. What's what's happening? What's moving? What's shaking? What songs are doing it right now? And then. All I'll do is I'll look at the, the people I'm on stage with and I'll do that and I'll make sure I take out all their records. So I won't play lean back until Fat Joe leaves or I won't play whatever until this person leaves. But other than that, I just, I just, I, I go with whatever it is. So I know that my stage is 90s hip hop and R&B. So I know I got to hit Case. I know I got to hit 112. I know I got to hit, you know, Biggie, uh, uh, Jesus, the notorious, just Jesus. <laughs> you know, so I, I know it. what I have to do. And then I just go out and I have a good time. But see, at the same time, I've been doing it so long. It's almost like when people say that Alan Iverson, you know, he would get angry about practice. But his, his thing was, I do this almost every other night. This is automatic for me. Like when you're that good, it's just automatic for you. Um, it's like when I practice, just recently, I'll do it at full speed. Because somebody, one of my one of my guys on Instagram, Tactical Call, was like, train how you train how you fight. So you do it at real speed. But a lot of times I didn't do it at real speed because I'm doing it ment- mentally in my head. So I've already, you know, I already know, I know the speed. I just got to work it out in my head. Um, also, I do so many shows per year, there is no practice. I pretty much practice on stage. Right, got you. Like, if I want to do something new, I just do it on stage. It just don't look... Because I'm so seasoned that it, I've been doing it so long, it doesn't look like practice. But the one thing that I learned from the Dougie Fresh system is you're in front of people, test it out. If it don't work, you just keep moving. Move quick. So it's almost like when you DJ. If you play a record that's a bust, you just come right behind it. You don't you don't let the record play forever. You just come right behind it with a hit record. And um, you know, so so a lot of what I do and some of my best chance and my ideas have just come as a as a result of just freestyling on stage. Got you, got you. I know you've mentioned. 90s R&B and hip hop. I've got to say, you were involved in probably my favorite hip hop album ever. What? OC Jules, Dangerously Making Money. Oh, oh, okay, 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 okay. Do you have any memories? I, we love OC. We had him on the show. We That's love my OC. favorite album. I mean, o- OC, OC just called me about that record. He's like, "Yo, get on it." And back then, there was no sending files. I just went to the studio, and and you know, when I go to the studio. Um, it's like when you get a record, whenever I get a record or I, I get a record now, because getting a record is like going to the studio with the person. I always, before I open a record, I pray that it's something that I can do. 
I say, please, Lord, let this be something that is compatible for me. Let let it be something that I can do easy. A lot of times it is. Um, I walked into the studio and, um, you know, OC was there and he just put on the beat, you know. So that's an old school beat. I just went in there and did what I did. You know, when the when the record's right, you just go in there and do it. And, and boom. Like, if I have to stay more than five minutes thinking about what I'm doing, that's it. So years ago, I used to be the guy that would sit for five hours and write. I don't do it like that no more. If whatever I say, that's why now when I get records, when I get records, the first thing I do for the first pass of writing a song, I put the record on. I, 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 I just put it in my logic, I put the record on, and I start talking. Because usually the first thing that comes out your mouth is the right thing. It usually is the right thing. So I, you know, I just straight up, you know, I, I'll put it on and I'll just, whatever come out my mouth, if, 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 I, if, this, if, if I can't make it happen, I'll call the person back, I'll be like, it's nothing near. Okay. That's how I do it. Okay. So I, I, OC was an experience. I went in there and did it. I can't even say that I spent 10 minutes in there with OC. Wow. Wow. I can't even say, I, I really cannot legitimately say that I spent more than 10 minutes in there. Because if it's not the right thing, it's, you, you can't make it the right thing. We've just, you know, pandemic. We've had a rough couple of years. I feel like DJs were the superheroes of the pandemic. What do you think the role of the DJ is in 2021 post-pandemic? Keeping the music going, same thing. I mean, the pandemic was a was a disaster for some people, and it was a godsend for others. Look at look at D Nice. You know, D Nice was a photographer, and he's always been a photographer. He's great at what he does, and all of that. Um, he had on, uh, large P just he just saw it, so he heard it. So let's wait and see what he says. Um, he he was he you know he was doing well. But look what that one moment in time did for him. That's God's work. When it's your time, it's your time. D-Nice had a legitimate second win just from the pandemic. I think that the pandemic, the job of the DJ is just to keep it moving, man. I don't think that there'll be a bigger time for the DJ than that time. Because everybody's attention was there. It was therapy, too. It was therapy. So, you know, in a, in a space where people couldn't go out, they couldn't do anything, whatever, it, 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 was, it was therapeutic. And the DJs, to be honest with you, they, 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 they pulled a lot of people through the, the, the early stages of the pandemic. And I don't think that they, the DJ gets the kudos or the respect for that. Although it, took, it pushed D-Nice to superstardom. I mean, one minute D-Nice had 79.1 followers. I turned around three days later, it was 385. I turned around like five days later, it was 1.6 million. Like he was the one who DJ for Obama and all the people like that. But this, that the pandemic took him to, a, to Ford commercials and, 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 you know, like auto commercials and, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, one thing can change everything. Yeah, yeah, well said. I mean, Scoop, I have, I have no more questions. I just want to say, you sound like the tape. Your voice is the same, your energy is the same. I love it. My soul is full. 
I feel Thank good. You. I, well, you know, I, I, that's just me being me. You know, like, um, you know, Redman said something very profound. I don't even know if he realized what he was saying in, in Headbangers. He said, I get wrecked with the tech, with the blunt and moet, and what you see is what you get, and what you getting is your ass kicked, nigga. What you see is what you get, <laughs> and what you getting is your ass kicked. Yeah. So, so, so it was, you know, that always stuck with me. What you see is what you get. There's no filter. There's no no uh, extra juice on it. Nothing. And you, what you see is what you get, and that's always the way it's gonna be. Uh, we appreciate you. So 200 tickets left for the Metro Fest. Fat Man Scoop is going to be there. Just give us your last parting shot. One word why people need to come and see you at the Metro Fest. Tell me. You, you don't need to come see me. You need to come see Fat Joe, Blackstreet, Maya, uh, 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 everybody else who's on there. Tony Touch, uh, the, 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 the Jungle Stage, Raindrop Stage. There's a bunch of different stages. It's not just me. It's the whole experience. Get in there and see it all. Get in there and see it all. There's so much going on. There's so many people that are going to be at Metro Fest. And listen, here's the thing. Tickets, we got the last bit of tickets. So come on down and be a part of this because it's moving. So it's not like you're sitting out there and you're saying, I don't know. I'm going to come to an event. Nobody's going to be there. It's basically sold out except for a couple of hundred tickets. Come on down and be a part of this. Listen. Freedom Day passed, and now you got all the freedom you want. Use it. Come on down to Metro Fest. We appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. It's been real. Much love to Scoop once again for blessing us. Uh, we've got to get him back. I think we've got to get yeah, I think we that's... have to. Sound like the tape. <laughs> Sound like the tape. Sound like the tape, bro. You know when I was growing up, right? When I used to go to live shows, that was my only measuring stick. Do you sound like the tape? Yes. And if you didn't sound like the tape, I couldn't rock with it. That's a fair point because I think, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd I'd used to feel the same about G Unit sometimes, where I would I would hear them on tape, and then when you hear them at concerts, it wouldn't sound; it would just sound muffled, and I didn't yeah. like that. But if you sound like the tape, if it was like Usher or a J or a Buster or or Scoop. It would sound very much you had like to bring it. You had to bring in Jay in it. I have we to bring in Jay. Did it. It's the, it's the, we nearly, we nearly did a whole episode without mentioning that man. Come on, man! We did a whole series on Reasonable Doubt. We're doing Blueprint. How can I not <sighs> mention Jay anymore? All right, All right. <laughs> but uh, big up uh, to everyone at Metrofest. There's uh, about 200 tickets left, so it's uh, the tickets are flying fast. It's a great lineup yep. too. Fat Joe, yeah, it's, Bobby V, it's a mad one. You know, it's, it's crazy and scoop. So Tony Touch as well. Um, yep, yep. So. It's going to be and big up to um big up to Hakeem and Stacy for connecting the dots with Scoop and the other people we've spoken to. Respect, respect, respect is due. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Break the Atoms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Chris's handle is at I am Kinetic. Mine's is at Hip Hop Chronicle. We'll be back with more episodes, but until then, peace, peace. peace.